0: Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers.
2: Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Welcome to Footwork.
1: Footwork.club, the official website for all things footwork, is now live.
0: Check out all Footwork podcast content, including episodes, guest features, and YouTube videos.
1: The Press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests.
0: Game time, updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the microphone. Want to go pro?
1: Dedicated to helping soccer players follow their dreams with helpful info and our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything.
0: And of course, the Footwork shop. We got some of the best merch around as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more. So join the club at Footwork.club.
1: Matthew Silva is a Canadian professional goalkeeper who is currently at Bruno Magpies in the Gibraltar National League. Matt has been all around the world, applying his craft since 2015 when he signed his first pro contract in the Philippines' first tier. Since then, he spent time in Sweden, back in his home country in the Canadian Premier League, back to the Philippines, and now in Gibraltar. He's featured in both the AFC Champions League and the Europa League Conference qualifying stages. One thing is for sure, Matt's a dream chaser. He's not afraid to pick up and move in order to reach it. Enjoy. So Matt Silva, welcome to Footwork. Thanks for coming on. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, guys.
1: So always start with the motto here, make your own path. For someone who's played all over the world, you know, Canada, USA, Philippines, Sweden, and now Gibraltar. What does making your own path mean to you?
2: uh it's not a straight one I can tell you that um (laughs) you kind of have to have some expectations of failure ups and downs but um it's just kind of trusting in yourself believing in yourself and whatever kind of happens happens but it's not up to fate it's up to you kind of thing so um yeah it's uh it's a fun one it's a good ride it it brings some good stories which I'm sure we'll get into but um yeah yeah, it's a fun one that's for sure
0: and before we get into those stories and, and dive deeper into them who are you? Where were you and where are you going?
2: Yeah, so my name's Matthew Silva. I'm Canadian. I'm from Brampton, Ontario. Um, started a youth career with a, a club called Toronto Lynx and a bunch of other local clubs from there. Um, went to college in Syracuse, New York at Le Moyen College. From there, I kind of bounced around the uh, U.S. combine system, going to different combines here and there, um, and then found myself in the Philippines, playing the Philippines Premier League there for a year. Bounced over to Sweden for three years, Um, and then after my third year there, I got a call from a good goalkeeper coach friend of mine, and um, it was the start of the Canadian Premier League. They're five years old now. Um, He was lucky enough to to be chosen as the goalkeeper coach for my hometown, a hometown area, let's say, so in around Toronto, and uh, he wanted me to join on board. So I went, spent uh, three years in Canada, and then just this last year has been another bit of a whirlwind. So I ended up in the Philippines, and then now playing here in Gibraltar I was able to do AFC Champions League with the Philippines Club uh, Europa Conference League qualifiers here in Gibraltar and um, I'm just living across the border from Gibraltar in Spain so it's uh, it's definitely a, a good life it's, it's sunny outside like I was joking with you guys it's nice to be wearing a t-shirt yeah. outside but yeah yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting ride so that's kind of where I am now yeah
1: it's definitely a nice flex to be like doing the podcast and the short sleeves and Sean and I are freezing our asses off here in northern <laughs> Germany <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, of course, right. Well, the i knew it was a video pod, so I'm like, oh, which one do I wear? A long sleever T-shirt or like that my T-shirt?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got it. Yeah, that's the right. That's the right choice. So, yeah, yeah. so you live—you actually live in Spain, but so you have to, to to get into Gibraltar is just kind of an easy thing. Like you're—it's that close. It's an event in itself. Yeah, I mean,
2: Gibraltar's quite small. Like uh, some of your listeners or you guys don't know, it's it's basically just a massive rock. Uh, it's British territory, so they still use the mm-hmm. pound. Um, and, and yeah, the, the border, you have to walk across a airport landing strip. So it's very, very odd. It's a walking border. Obviously you can drive across as well, but traffic stops and then a plane, a plane lands and then traffic resumes both on the footpath and the, the drive. Oh, it's insane. So when people come, we don't tell them. Uh, my wife and I live here with our dog as well. We don't tell them, and then we're like, just wait, like, you, you'll see, you'll see. And then when we cross, people are like, this is insane. Is that a plane, like, right there? You're like, yeah, yeah it's uh, you gotta wait, like, at the red
1: light for the plane to cross, and then oh, you go.
2: You're only allowed to be late for training, not really, but I mean, you're you kind of get a bit of grace if a plane is landing because you can't lie, you can't be like, oh, a plane's landing. I'm so sorry I was late. The training pitch is just right beside the landing. <laughs> I so see it playing. The coach yeah. like, yeah, I'll see it. If you're lying, then you're lying. But, yeah, bullshit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically bullshit. But <laughs> but no, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. And because it's so small, cost of living there is just kind of, it's quite high. So living across the border here in Spain, it ends up being a bit cheaper. Uh, they're in pounds, we're in euros. So it's uh, yeah, it's a different life. And to be honest, my wife and I love it here in Spain. We, we like the food. We like trying to learn the new yeah. language. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool. It's but is life.
1: Gibraltar is Gibraltar mostly in English?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a interesting place in regard to the language because their national language and official language is English, but because mm. they're so integrated within Spain, everyone speaks Spanish as well.
1: Oh, okay. So that is a, I, say
2: a, for example, my goalkeeper coach only speaks Spanish. Only okay. only only. So at this point now we've been here for about a, almost a year we're coming up on, I can understand enough kind of, you know, goalkeeper specific with mm-hmm. a lot of pointing and sound movements and hand shapes and stuff like that. Now I kind of get it, but yeah, I have players that don't speak a lick of English just because it's easy for them to transition into, into Spanish. My coach is British and only speaks English, so there's a bit of a language barrier. But as you guys know, as a traveling footballer, like that's a thing you kind of have to get through. And it helps yeah. you develop your your skills as a human being and in general, kind of dealing with that diversity and, and figuring out how to get by when you don't speak the same language, for example, or you don't know where you are. You can't read a sign just because it's a different language. So it's all part of it, yeah
0: that's an, i mean just looking at it on a map too it's crazy that this is a country it's so it's how much what's the population do you know
2: 40 40 ish thousand i think something like that crazy yeah it's very and, interesting and they got and monkeys ha- up there that's like the biggest really? the biggest they have monkeys uh you guys got a common school and you take a cable <laughs> car up and there's wild monkeys up there and i mean like they're friendly enough because they're used to tourists but like if you have a backpack on and they think there's food in there, like they're coming for you. Oh, they're
1: coming! Yeah, 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 it's there. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I've seen it before. So it's <laughs> damn. Okay, added. yeah. This is it's added to the life.
1: list now. This is added to the um, list
0: for sure.
2: Yeah. And Welcome you're here, so.
0: Yeah, and you're the first guest, obviously, from Gibraltar. You're playing in the Gibraltar Football League, which is their first year. Um, so yeah. first off, how's the season going personally and as a team, and what is the day in the life like? We know that yeah, you have so- to cross the border every day.
2: Yeah, crossing the board every day. It's it's not that bad. It's kind of fun. Um, As a team, we're doing quite well. Uh, We Mm -hmm. finished the first half of the season in first place. I think we've dropped a little bit. Now we're second, maybe third. But um, the team that's in first is a club called Lincoln. Um, I think they actually might have just broken the record for most consecutive um, title wins in Europe. I think it's 17. I think they just did. So they have a long history of winning everything all the time. We always put up a good fight with them. I think we're one win, one loss against them this season, maybe two, okay. two and one, but um, yeah, they're a good club. It's, it's, it's nice to compete against them. We're sitting second or third and we're in the semifinals of the cup as well. So winner of the league gets champions league qualifier spot. Uh, second, third, I think gets Europa. Um, sorry. Second gets Europa third gets conference league and winner of the cup gets conference league. If I'm, if I'm correct, I'm sure how people correct me after, but it's something along the lines of that. So it's, yeah, it's good. Is you actually you have something to play for, right? You know, something mm-hmm. to to show for after yeah. season, which is nice. Um, personally, I'm doing well. Um, there's a local rule here, which is always difficult. I don't know if you guys have to deal with it, but um, where you guys are. But I mean, as a traveling footballer and as a foreigner, sometimes you have to kind of g- come across restrictions, like a, a quota, like a player quota. So it was mm-hmm. you know, across Asia, it's very common. Here in this league, it's common, and it's just to kind of build the local players and build the local talent. Yeah. We have a quota of local players you need to play. And obviously, you know, sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not the best player for that position. It just might mean that you need another foreigner in a specific spot due to an injury or suspension or like whatever it may be. So it's quite tough. Um, obviously, would love to be getting a lot more games in, but I have a good relationship with the other goalkeeper and with my staff and with the team and stuff. And when I get my minutes in, I'm playing well, and that's all that matters. So um, when the chance comes to kind of find find a place or find a rhythm where I can continually yeah. get those games going. That's obviously what you're looking for. But um, again, that's football. You're going to be playing yeah. or not playing for one reason or another. And that's just the reason at the moment now. But the most important thing is to have a good relationship a good understanding with the goalkeeper coach, the staff, the team, and especially the other goalkeepers. So it's a, uh, I'm in a good setup now. I'm in a good, with a really with good partnership, good keeper core. And yeah, it's been, it's been going all right. So.
0: Um, and I know that these yeah. rules change in terms of foreigners a lot in Asia, um, but currently what are the rules in Gibraltar in terms of who's considered a foreigner and how many can yeah. play on the field?
2: You need five locals on the pitch at one time, at all times.
0: Five. Lo- okay. okay. Wow. And in a
1: population of 40,000, like.
2: Yeah. Do the math. I'm sure you can start racking your you brain. Can yeah, it's you can start stretching. You
1: really start stretching the quota. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and, and- I mean, it's good and bad. You can, you can argue right. both sides. The locals understand like that there's a – I'm not an issue with it, but like that it, it brings either level up or down of the league, and it's tough. I mean, like you said, there's only 40,000, and then you start doing the numbers of how many eligible players in that age group at that quality. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's difficult, but I think the league is still quite new in regards to being um, recognized by FIFA as a, as a, as a European league regulated mm-hmm. under fifa so like they're still growing they're like they're going through their things and i'm just coming from a canadian league that has its own growing pains as well right so like i'm not uh yeah i'm not ignorant to it so it's uh it is what it is and i mean you can use it as an excuse or you can use it as fuel and grind and i'm sure you guys can guess which one i'm choosing so <laughs> it is what it no is way. yeah yeah
0: and um yeah in terms of in terms of also Growing pains or not, it's it's more of an established league, but you also spend time in the Philippines, which is also quite a small league in terms of Southeast Asia. Um, but it has, there there are some qualities there. You can play in Champions League, which you did. Um, first yeah. off, how did you get to the Philippines, first off? And oh. and how was that experience in Champions League?
2: Yeah, so the first uh, contract I signed was in the Philippines. It just so happened, like I told you guys, I kind of bounced around the combine system. After my career in college, I did quite well. I played Division Two for the whole time. Sometimes it's it's quite difficult as a Division Two player to get recognized for the MLS combines or the USL combines. Um, So I didn't get any interest there, but there was a lot of private groups that do combines across uh, North America now in general that I got invited to. I went to. I mean, it's it's very tough. You're going against three, four hundred kids. You're there with thirty other goalkeepers. It's it's almost impossible to get recognized. But I will say I'm lucky. I mean, obviously I I I worked hard for it, and I think that my quality like you know shine through. But um yeah i got recognized by the combine company they also act as an agency and they had a a contact in the philippines they with the general manager i think grew up in california or had some ties to california and yeah it's kind of he needed a goalkeeper i was there right place right time i had a really good combine when he was there and then he invited me over and i just kind of knew that you know it's not the the most i'm not gonna say idealistic place to go but it's not the you know it's not the europe it's not the holy grail of like football where you want to go and you're like oh Everyone knows about football in Spain. Well, no one knows about football in the Philippines, but it it doesn't matter. I think for me, signing your first pro contract is a big, big deal, and it separates you and puts you above anyone else that's amateur or just a college graduate. Um, So it was very important for me to basically sign wherever. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm glad I did. I met some really good friends, a really good experience. I was able to leave home and really kind of just like figure it out on my own. And Mm then, um, yeah, made some contacts and ended up full circle back there this last year which brought me to being on a club that played in Champions League so I mean in retrospect it was the best decision I made because I was able to experience something that um, was a lot of fun and and really good competition and yeah and really good for my career as well That so I'm happy for it but it was a again not a straight and narrow path that's for sure.
1: So do you feel like that first stint in the Philippines like making the connections hopefully not burning any bridges kind of had your image or your standpoint in, 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 a, in a good light so that you could come back and do it again?
2: Yeah. So that's a funny thing is I actually learned there not to burn bridges because I did. I burned one. And okay. it kind of, yeah, it's funny. You said it, I was able to mend it, but it was not easy. Mm, mm. Um, I ended up signing for a different club, which is probably the only reason I signed there. The, the bridge I burned is because I wanted to go home early. I was missing home. I was probably a bit depressed and stuff like that. And I mean, it is what it is. I asked to leave early. Um, so I technically broke a bit of the contract and they were fine with it. They were understanding. I mean, obviously now mental health is a, is a big thing that people understand and they're willing to accept it. So, I mean, back then, I guess it was still a stigma. It wasn't things people spoke about, but um, you know, I was looked down upon for wanting to leave. So I kind of burned a bridge there, but on my return back, I know that the club I signed for spoke with the, my previous club and obviously hashed it out. And it was like, guys, look, I was yeah. a young 20 year old. I'm a 30 year old man. Now, like I have responsibilities. I understand what I did and I understand like how it affects the club and those kind of things. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was actually the first time I learned that, you know, you shouldn't burn bridges because it can come right back around full circle. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting way to be able to go back. I was glad I was able to go back. I was able to kind of mend that bridge in person as well and and speak with the people that I defended at the time. And I mean, it's, it's, it's football, like business is business and, you know, personal life is personal life and sometimes they clash, but um, yeah, it was nice to kind of, to bring that all back together.
1: I mean, just like you said, it's, it, these are learning experiences. So like if you can mend it, if you can learn from it, if you can improve on the next time, that's really the key in all of this, especially when the journey is for the long-term, but yeah. for you coming back on the second stint, what kind of things did you feel like after having these travels? What are some things that you kind of approached in a different way, whether it was the culture, whether it was mending with the team, whether it was the plane, like, how did you do it differently the second time around?
2: Yeah, I think the first time I just went, like, uh, obviously very naive. I was just a kid. I just went for fun. I was there just to enjoy and have fun. And I was also just kind of, like, shell-shocked with the different culture and, and, and everything. And I was away, and I finally signed my first contract. So I was quite, like, euphoric, and I just was happy about everything. Um, I mean, yeah, you should always be happy, and you should enjoy the football. But at the same time, when you sign pro, I mean, it's, it becomes work. I mean, there's a bit of it that unfortunately becomes your job. And I mean, it's the best job in the world to have, but it still is work, you know? And I kind of figured that out when I had a teammate, I was having coffee with him. He was on the phone with a friend and he was like, all right, yeah, I got to go. I have uh, I have work in a few hours. He hung up and I was like, why don't you say you have training? He's like, cause I mean, my training is my work and like, that's what it is. And it kind of made me think about it. I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, you are getting paid for this. It is a service. Like it is what you're doing. And if you don't, you know, do good at your job, same as a, a carpenter, let's say, if you keep building houses and they're crooked or you're cutting the wood the wrong way, like you're going to get fired. Like that's, yeah. it, it is what it is. So same thing here. If you don't perform, if you don't do what you're tasked to do, like you're going to get fired. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, the second time around was definitely more of a mindset of like, this is work um, and you have to take it very, very, very seriously. So it's um, yeah. But I also, I also knew the second time going around to that, um, I mean, we were. I was there specifically to play the cup and the Champions League and season if it unfolded. Um, so knowing that opportunity to play in AFC Champions League, I'm definitely fully, fully aware of the opportunities that can come from a very successful campaign in in Champions League. So um, yeah, definitely put all the chips down. Was very, very serious about it.
0: And, of course, you had the Champions League, which makes maybe the decision a little easier. But was it tough to go back to the Philippines or leave Canada after being there for a few years?
2: Um,
0: No, I don't think so.
2: Um, Unfortunately, in Canada, I ended up kind of finding myself in a spot that the league was looking at me more so as a second keeper. And I was 28, 29, 30. Uh, My first season there, I broke my thumb in preseason. So I was out six weeks. They brought in another goalkeeper. Um, He did extremely well. He ended up getting nominated for Golden Glove of the Year. like He had a great season, so I only saw myself play one match. The year after, I signed uh, for a club in Winnipeg. Um, I played zero matches. It was a COVID season, six games. We had uh, a goalkeeper on loan from Montreal Impact, James Pentimus. He plays national team as well. Played every match. So I'm looking at two years, one match. Um, obviously not in the best headspace thinking what's going to happen with my career. Do I start coaching? Do I start, you know, falling back on my, my degree from school? You know, all those thoughts. Uh, Winnipeg re-signed me again. Um, they signed another goalkeeper on loan, uh, Jonathan Sirois, who's actually now the first at Montreal Impact um, or FC Montreal, I believe they're called now. And uh, we had a full season. I got maybe seven, eight games in. Um, as he was the starter, he played several games. He, I believe, won Golden Glove that year. So um, I was put behind some tough competition, but just had to to pivot to being a second goalkeeper and learning what that's like and learning to learn from the first and kind of finding a new joy in football. Like it wasn't that I was playing every match and that's where you kind of find the weekend joy. You plan for that, you play the game, your happy days. It's not kind of the the mindset I had to be in. I had to find different things to get my joy out of, whether it be small signing games and training or the gym after or coffees with the friends or uh, away trips, like, you know, the little things. Um, cause I just knew i I couldn't kind of keep building my expectation up every week that you're gonna play and then not and let yourself down. It's just not natural, it's not healthy. So um, I mean, after that season, I had a very, very good season uh, for the seven or eight games I played. Um, and just knew that, you know, in the league, I wasn't gonna find a number one spot. There's only eight teams in the league. I, you know you could kind of see the lay of the land and it just wasn't like a number one spot wasn't available. So your opportunity to go back to the Philippines was was okay for me. It was it was fine for me to get away from everything there, try to go establish myself again, get a full season in as a number one, ideally, and then go from there. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And at this time, too, my, I was with my wife, so it was really fun to kind of go full circle and bring her there to show her the places I used to eat, the, the friends I made, stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun as well.
1: Walk us through these AFC Champions League games because, I mean, talking about the what was happening beforehand and, you know, not getting the starts that you wanted. Maybe there was a little bit of tough times, rough times, and trying to find joys outside of the game. So, I mean, even though those results in those games didn't go maybe the way everyone wanted, you guys were big, you were underdogs against massive teams. Did these moments just feel like, you know, like those encapsulations of the grind of all the moments of all the blood, sweat, and tears, and pursuing your dream to play in something that, you know, millions of kids dream about?
2: Yeah, the build-up to, to going to it was was top class. Like you felt like you were you were in you know the top of the top, the best of the best. They it was in a bubble, so we all flew to Thailand, all the clubs. So you're there with all the other teams, and it it really felt it, it felt like it was an important thing, and it felt very serious. Um, it was obviously still through a bit of the tail end of COVID, so it was a lot of testing, a lot of all of that, which is a daily grind as well, but. Um being there, and, and yeah, obviously the results didn't go our way, but there's definitely moments when you're there, you're going, you know what, like, I belong here. I can do this. This makes sense. Like, you're watching the other teams play, you know, and, and you're thinking, like, I, why not me? I mean, this makes sense. And you're making saves against top players. You're in the match sometimes, you know, and it just made sense that you can kind of get yourself there. And I think those moments are what kind of give you that little, like, relentless fire that maybe some people don't understand. Said, why are you still trying? Why are you still doing these things? Like you know, like I just explained to you, like over the last three years in Canada, it wasn't the best, best route. Of course, you have people that doubt you. You have the people that support you to your support system. But at the same time, it's very, very tough. And and then you find yourself in a situation where you're playing against the champions of uh, Australia. Let's say against Melbourne City FC, and you know some of the wages. You know some of the the players and the names that are on that team. And you're going, wow, it's not that far off. It's not that bad. Like why couldn't mm-hmm. I do this? Like this is this is very, very, very plausible. And, I had it once when I was younger, when I came back from the Philippines, I went on trial with Sporting Kansas City, and I'm there with some big, big names in the locker room, and I'm 23, so green to all of it, and just in the training sessions making saves, making saves, and then not really knowing who I was making saves against and not really paying attention to anything, and then speaking to my agent after going, oh, he's like, oh, Matt, how was this guy? What are you talking about? Starts name dropping. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was this person. You know, I was just so kind of nervous and in my own world where – I just was focusing on training, going home, focusing on training, going home. And now when I step back and look at it, I was like, wow, at 22, 23, the opportunity to go and just be right there with the MLS club after a stint in the Philippines, like I said before, and it's not the most prolific league, a really cool opportunity to to see it. So those little moments in between where you kind of get that realization of like, uh, I can still do this. Like there's an opportunity that to be had. Um,
0: mm.
2: Yeah, those, those are really cool ones.
0: That's awesome. And let's rewind the clock a bit to your time in university, because um, yeah. yeah, was there was there ever a thought of pursuing the professional game before getting your bachelor's degree? And and what advice would you give to young footballers in this situation?
2: Um, I don't think so, actually. I mean, I think growing up, like you always wanted to be, um, mm-hmm. you, you want to play professionally, but I think it, sometimes it seems kind of far fetched. So you, I don't know. I mean, I think I maybe was a little bit trying to be too realistic as a kid even, and saying, oh, well, you know, that's very far-fetched to go play at professional level, but I think it's because you only see, like, the highest, highest of the levels, and without any, like, visible pathway to get there, maybe it wasn't something that I was seeing as, like, a viable option. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, going to school in, in, the, in the States, it's pros and cons, and even just going to school anywhere before you try to pursue professional, because those years are very important years you're 18, 19, 20, 21, if you're, let's say, in England, you're in an academy, those are massive years for you. You're starting to really knock on the door of the first team. You're trying to get minutes. Uh, you're training with the first team, especially as a goalkeeper, like they have space for you. So they're very important years if you're just going to 100% focus on on going um, the professional route. But at the same time, um, the realistic, I guess, or like the realism of the, you know, what is it, 0.05%, let's say, footballers actually get to play pro. Going to school gave me a second purpose. It gave me a second thing, and um, yeah, I don't see either one being the right option or the wrong option. Um, I think it's just if you have the quality to do it, and you kind of have the grind to to want to make it happen. And whenever you realize that you want to do it, maybe it's after the four years, you're like, oh yeah, maybe I can do this. Like let me let me give it a go. Or after the first year, you're like, no, school's not for me. I can't do it. Like I don't want to do it. I really want to pursue football. I can go for it. The thing is, is football is very time sensitive, right? So you can learn whenever you can learn when you're 60. I mean, you can't keep playing football while you're 60. I mean, maybe some people can, but uh, not everyone. Not everyone's Ibrahimovic, no?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's 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 kind of like the notion, too, is like there is not one right decision. It kind of goes into what's comfortable for you What if you want to fall back on something, if you think your best chance is getting out to somewhere right away. But for yeah. but for you what was it like because I know obviously the game is growing in Canada with the Canadian Premier League and and things like this so for yeah. you how was it what was it like growing up like in the youth standard and in, in the academy standard and having the opportunities to be showcased at a level that could send you somewhere
2: Yeah so like your mindset is always was always to go either I mean if you had a connection if you were one of those lucky people back then to like have a connection a contact that could take you over to Europe then happy days if you want to be a professional then you take that route but aside from that it was you know the the next best thing to just playing club and then playing men's club at like a good level and then fizzling out into nothing because there was no pathway to a professional league was you found a club that traveled that played showcase tournaments in the U.S. to get a scholarship and then hopefully through those four years you were doing well enough to then get drafted into MLS or USL or you know, like the, the foreign prospect of leaving North America wasn't really there. Um, and now, especially as Canadians, you don't have to look away from your country. You can look within and try to find, let's say, an academy that's that's from or part of one of these Canadian Premier League clubs. Find yourself through those ropes, get a contract when you're 16, 17, 18, and then have a good season in the Canadian Premier League and then get sold. So you can go to Germany, Netherlands, you can go wherever. And it's already been happening to a few players, so. It's, it's definitely nice now that you have the option to do both. Um, I mean, I guess I was lucky enough to, I enjoyed school, so it was okay for me to like want to pursue that and really put everything into it and, and be fine with knowing that I had to go to class, but then I got my football on the side, like, but some players that's just not meant for them. And it's not, it's it kind of hindered their opportunities to extend that extra like four years for, you know, being on a scholarship now they don't really have to think about it and they don't have to be worrying about, Oh, like, do I have my grades, right? Do I have the right SAT scores to go to this division one school when I really don't really want to go to school? I just want to play pro, but this is my only pathway to do it. Now that's, it's not really like that. And I mean, of course, like the world's changed too. You can make contacts all over the world. So, I mean, your club team now and people really too. like club teams now will do travels to Europe and just try to showcase the kids to academies here in Spain and Portugal and wherever. So, it's definitely not just straight and narrow anymore where you just play in Canada and then you just fizzle out the best men's level, which is just club, not paid, or you go to the States and you figure out that way, or you're one of the lucky ones that has an uncle somewhere and he's part of a club and they get yeah. you in kind of thing. So it's not like that anymore yeah.
0: Did it give you a sense of uh, freedom when you, you, you got your bachelor's degree and then you said, okay, I can travel the world, see if something happens. If it doesn't, I always have something to fall back on.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that a lot of people too that have been around like the same level and in the same like um, pathway have been able to have a little job on the side that when you're in between contracts, when you maybe have to take a leap of faith and, you know, fly here, fly there, go on trial, like money's low. And you don't know what to do. Like you have a second income to take those risks because you know, you have something on the back end of bringing in your money. You're like funding your football or if everything you know, falls apart or you get injured, let's say, or it just, it just doesn't work. Like it <laughs> happens. Um, you have your career, you like you have something to fall back on. So it kind of gives you that, it kind of takes away that anxiety, like it cuts the edge of it where, where I think maybe it can help and hinder you, I guess, like if you have that anxiety and it really, and that's like your motivating factor, like if you fail, you fail, fail, fail. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that can be something to push people, but it could also be something to push people over the edge. So I guess it's like that fine line. I enjoy knowing that I have something like in my back pocket to like breathe and just focus on what I'm doing here without the worry that my world is going to absolutely fall apart and I'm going to be broke and really struggle and like not know what to do with my life and stuff like that, because that's a real issue too. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy having that security blanket, but you just can't take advantage of it and take your foot off the pedal kind of thing. So,
1: I mean, speaking on this topic of security in life, especially, I think, um, many want to see stability for the coming years. And I say that in a plural term with the S so as soccer yeah. players and, and as players, like, you know, relating to us and relating to you, there's been a lot of one year contracts, one year deals. So a lot of yeah. the times it's testing new opportunities, sometimes proving yourself, sometimes seeing if that's even where you want to be. So mm-hmm. how is this? How would you say this lifestyle has affected you? And have you come to embrace it in, in a certain way?
2: I can tell you that my wife and I can pack up our entire life and the dog in less than a week. That's, that's how it's affected me. <laughs> <laughs> uh we've like i said but after the club in toronto we signed in winnipeg we packed up the entire car with the dog and drove it it's not a small dog i got an 80 pound golden retriever so um it's not easy that's the um, biggest
1: that's the biggest luggage right there damn
2: it is the biggest luggage yeah definitely so um i mean it's made me very flexible i guess is the easiest way to explain i mean we've had to pick up and go to winnipeg we picked up i signed my contract on a sunday or monday i think to the philippines and i left on the friday Wow. wow. Yeah. So imagine all this—the the goodbyes, the packing, the paperwork, everything, the flights, all that stuff—and yeah, I was in the Philippines on Saturday, so it was it was nuts. It made it's made us flexible. It's um, yeah, you have to adapt. I mean, which obviously, it, it, if I'm gonna say like not the cliche thing, but it's the truth is, it helps you adapt like on the field. It helps you adapt in all different like aspects of life. Um, I can I can definitely understand why someone that's been through like the not straight and narrow path kind of like the up and down of like a traveling footballer is able to kind of very like just blend in anywhere because there is kind of like a a system that you kind of figure out like you get there you find your grocery store you find your this you find your gym you find your route and you do this like you kind of just get your little pattern and it's rocky but if Mm -hmm. you've done it so many times you're like "Yeah, yeah that rocky path like that's you know that goes away and there's so much better ahead of you so you kind of just have to, like, put your head down and go, okay, like, it's going to be a bit shitty, but it's going to get better after. So uh, it's funny when, when I'm kind of in between transitions of a contract or, like, it looks like something's really going to turn into a contract and it's going to happen fast. Uh, when it does, and I know it's going to be kind of hectic, my wife and I will look at each other and say, I love you. We're going to fight because it's going to be crazy. But, like, it's just because of the stress of the contract. Don't worry. Like, if I say something snippy, like, I'm so sorry. It's just because have me too. So we have like a moment of like peace and then mm-hmm. it goes absolutely shit crazy for god knows <laughs> how long and then after we're able to like enjoy be like remember when we got mad about that little stupid thing that yeah, was just yeah. because we were so crazily intense and a lot of people don't understand how we can do it but i mean for example we 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 planned our wedding within like a, a month and a half two months because we're just so
0: easy to make sense honestly that's yeah. so
2: so so fast so yeah um yeah, I mean, I've mentioned her a couple of times. She's sitting just across from me now, so as far as just looking over, and it's nice to have like someone who's a good support system, that's able to to do those things with you and and help um, with the things on and off the field. Yeah. So it's very important as well.
1: Yeah, so key. I mean, the communication yeah. aspect of it all too, I'm sure is is absolutely crucial. And yeah, in this, it's a lot.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely, it's a lot.
1: So I mean, for you then, I mean, cause these moves like you just explained can come quite quickly. Has it has it changed your value system in any way in terms of like putting less value on materials and more on on other things and, and being able to adapt in that way?
2: Yeah. Uh we definitely don't buy things if they don't fit in your suitcase after or if you're not willing to exchange it for something else. So there's there's been funny things that like we won't buy because I know it's a short-term contract or Mm -hmm. we're thinking, uh, like if you don't need, need, need it, or you're not going to get enough use out of it for the one year they're there, the six months the three months you're there, like you don't buy it. Because it's such a pain to try to sell it after, or it's annoying when you just purchase a bunch of things, you drop, I don't know, a thousand bucks on a bunch of like things for the house, the kitchen, everything. And then something happens and it's like, Oh, you gotta go. You're like, Oh, I just spent all this money. Like you gotta be really smart. You gotta be frugal with it. So I mean, there's been some times where we stretched a bit, like here in Spain, it gets quite hot, especially in the south where we are, for summers, and we were trying our best to to lay off on an air conditioner, and I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It was it was so 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 hot. So,
1: yeah yeah yeah.
2: Yeah, when it started affecting my sleeps, so I was like, I don't care if I get it for one week, and I have to leave. Like I'm getting this air conditioner we need. it. Yeah. So, yeah, but it, yeah, you definitely yeah, you should have like a new found perspective on materialistic things and and kind of just being happy with what you have and realizing you don't need, need a lot of things. Mm. So, yeah, I guess it's something that maybe I haven't really thought about that perspective that maybe going later into life. Like, I mean, it's probably a good, a good mindset to have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And staying on this topic of, of traveling all over the world and, and also joining different teams with a different group of guys, different coaches, how have you developed um, or, or a method or a mindset in terms of when you walk into a new team Becoming friends with the players, not just teammates, going outside the field, creating a bond with them so that on the field, it's, you're, more, you're playing yeah. to your best of your ability.
2: Uh, I mean, like, you, ha- you got to make an effort. It's not comfortable, but same thing as always. Like, it's not comfortable at first, and then it becomes perfectly normal, and you become best friends with people from all over the world in different languages. So I've, You have relationships with people that don't even speak the same language as you. You're sitting there on Google Translate the whole time in conversation, just showing each other on the phone and then laugh, you know, like it happens all the time. Um, but you you have to, and I, I kind of realized that when I was younger that some of the older players that were maybe doing that to me and, you know, calling me up, hey, let's go for a coffee, hey, let's go for a walk, or I'm doing this with my wife, bring your friend, like whatever. I mean, I didn't realize it, but now I'm in a position here where we have some younger players here that, you know, are maybe missing their family at home, missing their kids at home, girlfriends, wives, whatever, and realizing, like, you know, you should really make an effort to, to reach out to them, and I'm a – I'm a big believer that relationships off the field make a huge difference on the field, because when it comes down to it, if you have two people asking you to block a shot for you or run back for you, or like, you know, do something you really don't want to do. That's going to hurt, or it's going to be hard. You're going to do it for the person that you like. It's just, it's human nature. And even if you're going to do it for the person you don't like, there's going to be that split second where you're like, I don't want to do it for this guy, but like, whatever, I'll do it in football. That's too late. I'd rather me say, do this they do it. And then that's it. And I go, Oh, thanks, man. And they know that I'm genuinely thankful. They know that it comes from my heart. They know that like, I'm, I really really appreciate what they're doing for me on the field because off the field I'm doing things that they appreciate, which is like reaching out to them, let's say and making sure that they're having like a good life off the field or just in general favors, just being like a nice, a nice person, obviously goes like, a long, long way. Um, so yeah, like that for me is something that I I've, I've come to value and I've come to really realize it affects a lot of stuff on the field as well, so I try my best to just kind of, I don't know, like just you got to be yourself. You can't try too hard, and it, just, it is what it is. You're not gonna be friends with everyone. That's just, that's just normal. It's life. So I mean, you find your niche, and I guess luckily as a as a goalkeeper, you always have your little core that understands that you're a little bit crazy. So that's always fun to give them to fall back on. Yeah. But uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Have you been in experiences where the team culture just hasn't been there? Hasn't kind of had those key things that you mentioned and it rubbed off on the field?
2: Um, I mean, in in moments, like, I mean, some teams are able to test the the time of like hardships better than others. Some Mm -hmm. teams get carried away when things are going well and, you know, start to slack a bit or start to, you know, drop the standard of training or whatever it may be. But I don't think I've ever been in a setting where it's been like absolute terrible like chaos like not great at all and i mean it, and if it is then you just kind of have to find the people that are willing to not just speak about the bad times and get together and just like talk negatively it's very easy to agree to negative talk and, and get into that mindset negative talk and i've been there before where you're with people and that's all that you're speaking about it ends up being speaking poorly about the pitch the fans the league the coaches their teammates the, the weather the anything like it's it, it becomes becomes infectious but it's it's tough you got to kind of be able to see it from the outside and go whoa whoa, whoa." like i need to pump the brakes here i'm becoming a negative person i'm not helping anything here maybe it's time to kind of remove myself from this setting or this group of people right now because they're just stuck in their own shit kind of like there's no other nice way to say it and then try to move on and and find uh, find someone that's going to be a bit more positive or just you know, be the one, be the driver that's the positive person. And it's sometimes annoying being that positive person. It takes a bit of effort too, but it's it's better than being on the train all the way down negativity. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, at moments, but never, I've never been in luckily, and I hope I won't be in a scenario where it's like just absolute, yeah, absolute carnage. Such so. a great point too. And something I don't think
1: Sean and I have spoken of enough about on the podcast is that like negative talk that can infect the team where it's just like, the the complaints start happening, like, you know, the bitching starts happening or you're just, yeah, yeah. you have these responses, you know, to little responses to coaches, to players, and it just kind of rubs off on the team a little bit in sessions. And I think, yeah. of course, like you said, it's very difficult to be the one that drives the change. But if you can and you have those, you know, those characteristics or those tendencies to just lighten the mood a little bit, try and bring some positivity, whether that's like just a little joke or asking people how their day are going, like yeah. those little things like I've seen can can start a little bit of a chain reaction where if you get one guy happy, maybe he gets the next guy happy and it becomes because at the end of the day, I mean, we're kicking a ball and it is a job, but like it's the best mm-hmm. job you can really have. And, and just reminding people like what you're doing in this moment is amazing. Like I think yeah. just can help inspire that chain reaction, you know? Yeah. And then like
2: you're only on the pitch like training for two hours a day. So, like, you have the rest of your day where, like, it's still technically your job. Like, you still got to watch where you're eating all day. You still got to sleep right. Like, it's a 24-hour job. So, why not take an hour or two out of your day to, you know, speak with some of your players off the pitch, even just text them and just see how they're going? Because that stuff translates definitely directly onto the field. And even if you're having a coffee and you only speak about one thing, football, you just say, oh, hey, did you see that goal at this? And you just talk about it for 30 seconds. That's enough. And even if you don't, then that's also okay. Like, people's mental state can – change or you know what i was saying before is like they might want to do something extra for you they want to run harder for you just because it's better that way than the opposite where you don't know their teammate at all you don't know anything and then it becomes like a very high pressure situation and especially a goalkeeper you're very demanding of your team you're very vocal and you're just standing there doing nothing i mean for the most part it's very very tough i mean it's very common for someone to look back at you and say like what are you yelling at me for you haven't done anything i mean Mm -hmm. I, i i probably would i mean i definitely would yell back at me i mean sometimes for sure but I think that if you make a good conscious effort to, you know, make a connection with with the other players, they know that you're just trying to make it make it easy for them. And when they feel that on the field, off the field, then it just makes every everything so much easier. And it makes you connected. It makes it uh yeah, it makes it it's more of a connection, definitely.
0: And we've had a few keepers on recently. Um, yeah, kind of uh, the the most previous one, Danny vidal who plays in the USL in the US. He said like you know, he finds, finds someone to yell at because it keeps him concentrated in the game. Uh-huh. And I find that yeah, the mentality of keepers are, is, is fascinating. And one thing that you've mentioned on a keeper connection podcast was not to lose the game for the team. And at first it can yeah. seem a bit negative, but uh, you see it differently. Can you walk us through your mindset and relationship with that?
2: Yeah. I don't know where I picked that up from. And it's something that's when people ask me, you know, what's some advice you have to give for kids and stuff. There are younger keepers and it's, I don't know why it's stuck with me. Maybe it's something I made up myself or I don't know, but I try not to lose the game for my team. What I mean by that is even if you make a mistake um, first minute and it goes through your legs, like that's a mistake. That's a blatant mistake. There's no one else to blame. Let's say you can get in the mindset of, okay, this is my fault. I'm having a terrible game. I just lost it for the team and then make several other compounding mistakes and lose the game five, one, but your team scored a goal. But if those other four goals after that one, you made a mistake is, because you didn't get in the right mindset because you let it affect you, then you lost the game. You know, like don't let one mistake kind of be the reason that everything else falls apart. Take ownership, put your hand up and go, guys, my bad. I made a mistake. And guess what? You're going to make a mistake too. And so are you. And so are you. And get over it. Because if we don't get over it, then we're never going to win this game. And yeah, as a, as a goalkeeper, you can win the, the the game for your team. But I mean, you don't, no one wins the game on their own. So, I mean, in the same light that no one wins the game on their own, someone has to pass the ball to someone, someone has to, you know, win, like make a, a game-saving tackle, like it all comes together. Same thing as a goalkeeper. Like you don't lose the game on your own regardless of mistakes. So I, I really try to it's, – it's more of a – it turns into more of like a mindset thing where, you know, don't let one mistake kind of compound into others and, and let it and let it affect not just you but everybody. And, and um, yeah, That's I guess it is – it can come off negative, but I definitely see it as in a, in a positive way in it. For me, it's helped me to just kind of reset if I make a mistake in a game or training or I'm not feeling like the, I'm the be- doing the best or whatever it is. Like, just don't let it affect everyone else. Don't let it affect you more than it needs to to really affect the game in a negative light. So that's kind of my, my thought process on that.
1: It, it, it was very interesting to, to hear, like, everyone's tendencies when making a mistake or, or quote-unquote failure. So is there any specifics in terms of that these kind of help you get into the next play and approach it in from an equal balance standpoint, where now you're back to your best. Uh, you mean like in, like in regards to like a specific action on the pitch or. Yeah, I guess, a, a spec- I mean more in terms of, if you make a mistake or if you are not really like playing up to your best of your ability, maybe that mm. ability to, to bring you back. Do you have any mm-hmm. kind of specific actions, tendencies, mm. things you say to yourself like that? Um, on the pitch,
2: I don't think so. Um, I, maybe you gotta have to like start simple again. Like you just gotta worry about like the next pass or whatever it is. And even if your next pass is, sucks, like okay, well then you just start from there again. So it's it's not easy. Um, mental checks. I honestly sometimes just like look up and I just look away from the field. Just just kind of give myself like a reset, turn it off, and then like turn it back on. Um, it's it's not easy, and you have to do it quick or else it does compound and then my my own advice goes against me right you end up making it worse but yeah you kind of have to just reset as, as fast as possible I know a lot of keepers have and players too have little things I know a player a good friend of mine pinches himself if he makes a bad mistake or like something happens he pinches himself and he says he does it to kind of just bring himself back to reality. It's like it's it's not a dream. Like it's it's just it's normal. Like relax. Um, but I know sometimes he's come off the pitch and his, his old back of his arm is bruised.
0: So <laughs> <But then laughs> I, mean, I don't know how up. well that
2: is. Yeah, yeah. I know. Play, I know keepers. that touch the crossbar. Like, like little things little mantras and stuff like that. And they're good to have. They're definitely something good to practice. And it's not just something that happens like overnight as well. It's something you need to train in training. Catch yourself being negative and then maybe quickly evaluate why it was negative and then turn it to positive or just turn it into a nothing. So it doesn't always have to be something negative happens. And then it counts as a negative. It can be a negative and it just cancel it out. Just try to pay attention to the positives. And if I'm ever having like a really, let's say down, down week or session or a month or I'm not feeling good, I start to count the positives in training. Let's say so in a warm uh, we're doing volleys, let's say like, all right, we're doing 10 volleys. Like I want to make sure I catch eight. I should catch 10, 100,000%. You should catch 10, but like, make your goal realistic. You catch eight, boom. Okay. One success. That feels good. Then the next one, then the next one, the next one, and then kind of try to re recap that at the end of the training. Okay. How many things did I, how many goals did I set for myself that I reached as well? And they're little things It sometimes can sound like not petty, but like sounds a little like childish and, and, and yeah, and a little, like a little simple, but it counts and it, and it helps. And I mean, if you, I always say to a lot of people that any negative that you do, maybe in life in general, but even a mistake in, in, in football, it's always counted as like times two or times three or times four, even hundred percent. And then all the positives are only counted as like 0. 0.5. Mm-hmm. So to bring yourself back up to that negative or to that equal, you have to do so many very, very good things for it to even just be equal. It's like, well, that's, it's, it's not real. Like that's not the way it should be be so yeah. i mean just instead of counting the negatives and like always bring yourself down like you just count the negatives you're never gonna get yourself back up to equal like it's just not possible like everyone makes mistakes but just if you really just focus on those small little positive ones they definitely can help you to get past that negative mindset that negative like cloud around you and off the pitch is it's the simplest and easiest thing to just grind just put your head down and grind extra trainings come late come early i'm oh, sorry go stay late come early go to the gym we watch video speak to friends mentors whatever like you gotta if you gotta you have to find an extra gear like if you're not in a good place like find an extra gear and if the extra gear is to take a step back because you maybe you're someone that needs a bit of rest you are like going stir crazy about it like that's that's important too like you got to do what you got to do so it's trial and error like you gotta learn yourself um but yeah that's a
1: that's a bit of it it's such a great point, too, because, I mean, the failures are always under a magnifying glass, right, where the yeah, yeah. even if you have a great game, the one missed pass that might lead to a counterattack and a goal is the thing that's going to be talked about and yeah. the thing that's going to be dissected by either news outlets or even your own coaches. So there's so many times where I struggle with it, too. Like, if I'm watching a game back or if I'm thinking a game back, I'm more like saying, okay, how many times did I – lose the ball. And was that a good enough instead of thinking of how many good passes did I make, you know, instead of focusing on the actual positive actions, I'm focusing on minimizing the unsuccessful actions. And I think that's something that needs to switch a lot of the times with players because everyone else is going to put your stuff under a magnifying glass. And of course you need to learn Mm -hmm. from your mistakes, but if, if you're not going to have the self-confidence in yourself, then I don't think anyone else is going to bring that for you.
2: Yeah, and like the, the likelihood of someone saying good pass or good job or good run or whatever is not as high as someone telling you, and not as definitely not as loud and as forward as someone telling you how bad you're doing or making a mistake, which sucks. And like, as, as a goalkeeper as well, like you have to be very careful with how often you're giving negative criticism versus giving praise. And you, you should, I think, try to give like a, like a two for one ratio and positive to negative. If you're going to tell someone that they've done really poorly at something, you better hope that you have told them that they've done something very, very good twice or be prepared that the next time they, they blink and it looks good. You tell them, Oh, amazing blink. Well done. Perfect. Yeah, you yeah, find The smallest right. things. Good yeah. For because him. I mean, yeah, good form. Perfect blink, Nice timing. Both eyes, same time. Like, you know, you got to really find something to to make sure it's even because it's, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of it's mental. Like everyone knows when you're, when you have confidence, it's the best drug in the world and it's legal, but it's not easy to get. And once you lose it, for you sure. lose it. You lose it fast and fast people gain confidence from different ways. Self-confidence, they gain it from others, they gain it from whatever. So it's a, it's a funny thing.
1: It's knowing your teammates too, because I'm sure yeah. like on the field and knowing them off the field, building those relationships like you have, like you kind of know, like, all right, maybe this one I can dig into a little bit more and it might ignite the fire. This one yep. may go into his shell or her shell if they're, you know, if I get yep. on them too hard. So maybe I got to give that positive reinforcement. Like, I think that's, also a key thing especially for a keeper because you're usually the person who's talking the most whether you're involved in the play you know so to say or not
2: yeah i mean as as everything kind of gets closer to the goal things we get more and more intense i mean yeah when you're in the final third yeah like you're excited you're going to score but it's like positive intensity when it's back towards a keeper like everyone's freaking out so it's everything that you need to say the way you say it how like the the level of volume you're saying it like those things matter a lot and, uh, like I was saying here, it's it's tough sometimes, too, because the language barrier. So you have to try to figure out that even if I'm just saying a word in Spanish because I can't fully say a sentence I, like a certain way, I need to be careful the way I'm saying it, how loud I'm saying it, uh, because I can't then go back on my word and be like, oh, man, I was just really I, I saw this thing. So, you know, like you can't articulate, you know, a full sentence after to kind of like back yourself up as to why you were so aggressive by saying the one thing you have to be very yeah, you be very not careful, but it it all it's all calculated. It all kind of goes into to how you manage your team and the and the players in front of you. Because at the end of the day, like especially the goalkeeper, like you need those those players to protect you as much as possible. If you don't touch the ball in the game, amazing, perfect. But if you organize and put everywhere in the everyone in the right places to make that happen, that's just as good as you have in a world where you have ten saves in a game. Seriously, it makes a big big difference.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's great insight. And Each experience you've had uh, has helped to find you and shape you going forward. How do you look at having all these experiences throughout the years uh, as a player, but also as a person and also for life outside of football one day?
2: Yeah, we touched on it a bit. It just makes you very flexible. Like it makes you able to adjust to be wherever in the world. It makes you appreciate things at home, makes you appreciate things abroad, wherever it is in in Asia or North America or or Europe now. Um, Yeah. So I guess it's, A broad general answer but it just makes you very very adaptable which i think helps you as a as a human being in general and whatever's down the road for me whether it be coaching or 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 in a different field of work whatever it is i think that these things are very are invaluable understanding that not everyone thinks and lives the same way as you is uh something to very like to be appreciated and uh i'm i'm glad i mean of course i think everyone would like the straight and narrow path of being signed to Manchester united academy as a kid and going right to the first team playing for 20 something years and then retiring and be done but like we said like that's not the that's not the it's not the realistic thing that only happens to you know it's very very select few so being able to be flexible and appreciate you know the fact that we are able to be pro footballers and and are able to learn and, and mold ourselves in different ways uh, around the world is something also to also be very very appreciative of
1: Going through a few of the countries, um, we're going to ask you if you could give us just a little phrase, word, something you learned from your time and took into your life and into your game. So starting, because we haven't touched on it yet, starting with Sweden, what, how do you feel like that kind what did you take and what did you learn from that experience?
2: Uh, Sweden was really good for me because it was the, the first place I was able to get a ton of minutes as a, as a number one. I was there for three years and played almost every single game, whether it be, yeah, except for injuries or suspensions. Um, and yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I was able to kind of find myself and, and feel confident and, and make mistakes and know that I had the backing of my coaches and stuff to to get back in there and, and play again. And um, yeah, it was it was a good experience. I lived for two years in the north uh, in a place called Boudin. I was maybe an hour south of the Arctic Circle. It was a very, very interesting place. Yeah, it was it was cold. That's for sure. Um, but the club had a long, long history of being a, a very good club in Sweden. So they had passionate fans. The stadium was great. Um, it was just somewhere I could really focus on football. Um, I made some good friends there that were very like-minded that really wanted to just focus on football, go for extra training in the mornings, go to the gym, just really hone in on, on their skills. And yeah, I kind of took that for to full advantage. The year after, I, I went to a team in a South. Same thing. I had a really good setup. I had a coach that really, really believed in me. And And yeah, just kind of, just took it and ran with it. So it was somewhere that I was able to make mistakes and learn from it. Um, I think that the first year I was there, I was really trying to be too much in the game, meaning like a lot of through balls and stuff. I mentioned suspensions. I was coming out for a lot of through balls that I had no business going to because I wanted so eager to make an impact on the game. And I think there was one of the places I really learned to just let my players do what they need to do, like trust them sometimes staying in your goal and just, you know, being an organizer and just being counted on only when you need to be there kind of thing is sometimes more important than, you know, in, you know, enforcing yourself into the game and like really like making a statement to be a part of it. Like, like I said before, now I know a zero, zero or like a one nothing win when you don't touch the ball because you just organized everyone happy days, no problem. I'll take that every single day. Before I just wanted to be a part of everything and really be in it. And You don't need to. So that's definitely something I learned for sure. For off the field, sorry, on the field, off the field in Sweden was fika, and and fika. Fika. Yes, sir. Fikas are great. I'm having right now. I'm having a coffee. So fika is like a a very accepted social setting in uh, in not setting, but it's a break. It's you can get fifteen minute fikas whenever, and it's. It, at first, you're like, this is unbelievable. It's actually come to North America where it's like rat race, everything go. Yeah, exactly, Your break starts yeah. now, it finishes then. There, it's just like, you You get to work, okay, you kind of get everything ready. And everyone's like, all right, let's Fika. You're like, I just got here. What do you mean? Like, hey, I, I, just log- I just logged
1: into my computer and we're having a Fika already. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: was, it's crazy. Like, yeah, we'll sit for 15 minutes and, and have a Fika break. Or are like, all right, well, I haven't done anything. You're like, yeah, but we'll talk. So it, it's nice. They, they kind <laughs> of, they learn to like slow down a bit. And I really, yeah. really, now appreciate it and it and it's helpful yeah it's ah. very very helpful
0: love that and yeah. how about the philippines i guess both stints, you took something different
2: um the philippines was just i mean oh, it was such a different life the people there are very very happy and i mean it, it is a third world country so really kind of appreciating what i have in north america um and seeing that some people don't live the same way that i live but are still extremely happy So that's obviously something to to really pay attention to. And we did a lot of charity work with the club I was there with as well, which was really nice to see. and really, not nice to see, but it was nice to help as well and Mm -hmm. see how appreciative the people were. And that was, yeah, really, really good. And obviously, it was my first time I went there. The the contract was, I was just excited to be there. I was really happy to finally be a pro. And like I said, kind of set myself above uh, all of the other, you know, just college graduates or players that hadn't played pro that are trying to chase it. So that was really big for me. Um, and the second time around was just a massive opportunity. I was coming off, like I mentioned, the three years in Canada where I didn't really feel like I got what I deserved. I felt like I was kind of shortchanged a bit. Uh, and I still feel that way. I kind of have a bit of a vendetta like to the league, which I hopefully someday can kind of rectify. But going there, I, I knew that it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Not many people can go playing one game, uh in one year no games the next six or seven and then go play champions league next year so mm. i was really really fortunate and and uh again kind of ignited that fire for me to 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 know that i'm i'm able to be at that level and i can't be at that level and just kind of and keep grinding like the opportunities will come so yeah that was um that was definitely something yeah on and off the field there in the philippines
1: and then how about gibraltar
2: gibraltar is an interesting one i mean i'm still trying to figure it out i mean i I feel like when I'm in it, I don't know.
1: Okay, uh, yeah. So maybe, That's like, fair. retrospectively, we'll, we'll, I can, yeah. We can check back in, like, a year or two, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Two. I mean,
2: I can say maybe not in Gibraltar, in the league and everything like that, but, I mean, going to, to Champions League is what brought me then to now come to do the Conference League qualifiers and to, to have this in the exact same year play AFC Champions League and then, I um, mean, think two months after playing That's European insane. Conference League yeah uh, trust me you guys i was i, I still didn't believe it like i, I still yeah. can't believe it it's something that's very 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 special to me I, obviously i wish that we got through the first round uh we were close we should have but whatever it is what it is i'm still very sour about it but we played crusaders from northern ireland and the yeah. next round would have been against fc basil like what a dream right yeah and like mm-hmm. i mentioned in, before in the group state of champions League, like all it takes is i mean one good performance, and especially as a goalkeeper, like you know, coming as the underdog, like you're going to get hammered. If you make, uh, if you know, if you have one of those games, I'm sure you guys are playing against keeper sometimes, where you're like, how is he keeping this out of the net? Like this is, it's insane. That's the yeah, yeah. And a lot of times as a keeper, you're like, it just hits you, and you're like, it doesn't matter. Saves a save. Like I don't care if I broke my nose making a save. It's like if it gets me a contract somewhere. Like it's a such a good opportunity to show yourself. So, um, that was yeah, that was a, another one to ignite the fire. Um, I guess like double downed on the fire it was only two months after I kind of had it not reignited but like knew that it was something possible and then yeah I mean off the field I'm I'm definitely just it's it's nice to live here so it's it's always good had a lot of family visit I guess I could touch on that is because it's such a easy place to travel it's such a nice place to travel um, I've had a lot of family and friends come visit which has been really cool so it's been nice to see um people here kind of show them my daily life and my my dad came for christmas so we did a whole trip around spain and everything i nice. really was able to connect with him a lot yeah yeah so i think maybe the gibraltar thing is the best so far is that i've been able to kind of enjoy it with my family uh, and friends that I come to visit so
0: awesome and yeah. reflecting on the journey right now what things would you say helped you to get to this moment so in other words how why did matt make it as a pro and why is he still going
2: um i work hard honestly i i I try to my best to work hard i try to kind of have the mindset of earning like you need to earn something so if i want to have a sweet or i want to eat poorly or i want to go for a drink or i want to skip a day or something like that like i think i need to earn that and that's kind of my mindset towards things and it's okay to, to to cheat like have a cheat meal kind of thing um but you have to kind of be disciplined enough to sacrifice some things and the sacrifices are working hard and eating right and doing the extra training and contacting extra coaches or sending the emails and stuff like that so that you can go out on the weekend or you can skip a day or you can go on vacation or or whatever. I think kind of that mindset, if you apply it to everything, it can, it can really take you far. And honestly, I've been told no so many times I've sent thousands of emails, cold call emails, LinkedIn contacts, texts, hundreds, like hundreds, you type agent into my phone, you just like scroll. And it's like, I couldn't tell you that maybe 1% of them respond, but like, it is what it is. And so what, like it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't affect you to, to have them not respond to you. But I can tell you what, those same contacts that I messaged when I was in Sweden, when I was in Canada for three years, the second that I, I played Champions League and Europa League and put it in there, those ones were, yeah. That's
1: right? when they come All ringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah? yeah. So like,
2: it's part of the grind. And there's been contacts that I've made way back. Um, from Kansas City, let's say, that's close to like seven years back. I've made contacts there that almost came to fruition to a contract later in life. So, those those times when you're grinding and it seems like it's not going to happen, like you just put your head down and kind of keep going for it and be fine to be told no. And, I mean, yeah, um, it's not easy but you got to have to, like, you have to know your worth as well. It's hard to say no sometimes at contracts. It's hard to kind of keep like pushing sometimes when it doesn't seem like it's going to be there, but you gotta, yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta know your worth. It's not easy, but that's a, that's a big one as well.
1: Absolutely. So we're going to head into the fast feet round now. Uh, some quick fire yeah. questions to end off. So the first one is your favorite player growing up.
2: Yeah. Player. Um, I, like I mentioned before, I'm Portuguese. So I like Lewis, uh Luis Figo, big fan. And then, naturally turn into a massive ronaldo fan so I, if you ask me to yeah, Messi ronaldo no. fan i can answer that one for you quick
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i think we have an idea yeah
2: goalkeeper wise i like Casillas. big fan okay. of casillas yeah and like now i like to hear as well mm. um yeah i kind of i enjoyed oliver Kahn a bit too just because he was absolutely mental my dad liked him a lot just Crazy, because of that yeah, yeah so him and, and peter schmeichel if we're gonna go a bit farther back both just absolutely oh. not cases so yeah. yeah fun to watch for sure
0: oh. favorite moment in football
2: yeah, I see, I see you guys ask this question to other people. and I was trying to think. I was like, man, I don't know, I don't know how to answer this one. I, th- I feel like I have a bunch. But, uh, I mean, man, Champions League was amazing. Conference League was amazing. Really big moments, um, knowing that they're like pinnacle moments in my career. Um, but, I mean, probably the moments when you're just a game and like families there and you're able to just kind of look over after and give them like a little fist bump and like just be happy that they're there. They're proud of you. They've done well. Like they know that you've done well because they're all kind of – they're going through the emotional ride with you, so those like little quick ones, yeah.
1: Yeah, love that. How about most difficult moment?
2: Um, most difficult moments, maybe, honestly, probably when I broke my thumb um, in the preseason. There it was really tough. You go back home, everyone's so excited for you to finally be home, watch you play, friends, family. Matt, when are you playing? When are you playing? When are you play? I probably oh, broke my thumb. I don't know. Then you start to realize, like, looks like I'm the number two. Like, it's not going to happen this year. Oh well, we'll only come to the game when you're playing, like let me know. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. So it's <laughs> tough to swallow, but um put you in the mindset of grinding, like you have you have no choice. So it was yeah, I wasn't gonna give up then. So you just kinda have to keep going at it. Not easy, ad-
0: that's for sure. Yeah. Best advice you ever received?
2: Um I don't know about best re- maybe the the one percent rule, like do something better, do something to get yourself better, one percent every day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess like on the pitch stuff is the one we touched upon about like don't lose the don't lose the the game mm-hmm. for your team, just by that mindset type of deal. And then what we also just talk about is like just earn earn the little things. If you want to cheat, if you want to do a little something that's maybe not um, in line with being like the one hundred percent like professional, like you don't wanna have a little drink or eat a bit of sugar or a or something, like just earn it. Just do the extra little bit and then you earn it. It's a good little mindset.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I know the answer to this one, but best or favorite place you've lived? Yeah,
0: I mean,
2: I'm doing all right here. But honestly, it looks I, around. <laughs> yeah, was, I'm going to get smile as well. a marina, like right beside me. I can see like the rock up there. I'll show you guys after. It's nice. Um, and I've obviously had a ton of people visit. So, I, I mean, probably here, but I really enjoyed the Philippines, man. I loved it. Like the food was really good. The people are so, so nice. The weather's great, except for when it rains, it's, ter- oh, it's terrible. Goes hard, but, yeah. Yeah, but it was really great. Like, I loved it. it there's islands all over the place. They're really close by, easy to get to, cheap. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed the Philippines. I made some really good connections when I was there with people. So it's a toss-up, but I think at the moment, it's pretty easy to say here in Spain is quite, uh, quite Fair nice. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. best, best player you've ever played with and against?
2: Uh, with? I was trying to think about this. I got two, I think. Uh, one is a player that plays in uh, in Winnipeg at Valor. He's a defender. His name's uh, Andrew Jean-Baptiste. He's yeah. a Haitian international. Yeah, we know yeah, him. You know him? Uh, yeah, we've
0: yeah. heard of him. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I've, honestly, uh, when we were in the bubble, we had like a, a bubble season with Winnipeg. At the beginning of the year, I wasn't playing. Uh, Jonathan Sirois was playing. And we were on a streak of, I think, seven, eight games undefeated. And he was captaining the team at a centre-back. Honestly, he makes everyone's life just so much easier as a centre-back. He makes saves easier for keepers. He makes the other centre-back way better because he's able to read the game. He makes – I mean,
0: it's – And he's a it's unit.
2: A it's such a... – oh, man, he's a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> and he's, a, and he's, a, he's an amazing guy. He's such a nice guy as well. My wife and, and I would get along with him all the time. We'd go out for for drinks and coffee and, and meat and stuff. Really nice guy on the field, off the field. Someone that, like I mentioned before, that I made a good connection with just kind of off the field because I knew that on the field, they made that connection so much better. And there's little things that within the match and, you know, <clears throat> in that training – Let's say it's a 1v1 one one situation, he would see the player drop his shoulder and he would move like the other way. And you would be like, At the moment, you go, What are you doing? Like, why do you do this? And then the next touch kind of comes right to you as a goalkeeper. And He's like, oh, I knew that this guy was going to do this. And then his next touch was kind of be here. And I knew that he'd be Steps easy ahead, to come. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't even know that. Like, I was going to tell you to cover the other side. He's like, Yeah, no, no, I knew this. I, <laughs> I, I've seen him do it once, or like, just don't worry, trust me. So he makes things a lot, a lot easier. And from him, I start to realize that. I mean, yeah, as a keeper, you make the saves, like, you're the one that stop it lastly from going the goal, but you make the save with defender, and he really, I mean, kind of showed me that, that the defender can shrink the goal massively, and make my job so, so, so much easier, I mean, and he's, everything else, he has all the, the things too, he's left foot, right foot, great leader, so, good guy, he'll be, he'll be happy to hear this one, I'll tell you that, that's Love for that. sure. And aside from that, I think another goalkeeper I played with that I was really impressed with was Jonathan Sirwad. I mentioned it to you guys before, he's, he's got the opportunity right now to take the number one spot at Montreal. He's been doing quite well. Um, for two reasons, I think he's one of the best players I've played with is on and off the field. On the field, very professional, works hard, uh, critiques himself, is fine to take criticism. I remember one time after a match, he was on the medical table getting some treatment. I went to the gym after. I came back in and he had his phone. And he was like, Matt, what do you think? He turns around and has the goal. And I have the goal on my phone too. And we're both about to show each other the mistake that he made. And it wasn't a mistake. It was a good goal. But we both just knew that we wanted the criticism. And I knew that he wanted it. And I knew that he was going to want it. So just from those learning perspectives. And he's got a lot of good potential. He's young, young 20s. Very, very good. And off the field, especially me being an older, experienced player and him being a young one coming through has never made me feel like more accepted as a number two and didn't make me feel like a number two at all. It was when he won, we won. When I won, he was over the moon. Like, it was amazing. So uh, for both of those things, on and off the field, it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal keeper core. of Great, great friendship there and, and great uh,
1: goalkeeper, yeah. Any, anyone for against?
2: Against? Um, probably, I'd say maybe two players. It was in the uh, Champions League playing against uh, McLaren from... Um, Melbourne City FC, Mm -hmm. just, just played for Australia in the World Cup, just like a a goal scorer, he, he came on 30 minutes at the end of the match, and it was just, it was madness, anytime the ball got near his foot, you could feel like pins and needles, it was like, he's gonna smash this, he's gonna score, he's gonna score, I think he did end up scoring, I honestly can't remember, but it was, uh, yeah, very, very good player, fast, fast as ever, and just calm when he got the ball in his foot, kind of just knew it was gonna come, and, um, the other player is, um, oh, I don't want to butcher his name. I think it's Leonard Piana. Same thing, Champions League, played at Genome Dragons. Um, Dragons. Yeah, have a look at him. Great player. Left-footed, same thing. Um, when the ball got on his foot, it was like, something's going to happen. Something yeah. is going to happen. So I think he's maybe a bit, not an underrated player, like someone that goes under the radar. He's not like a big, big name player, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's got to I think he's got to move in him soon, honestly. I like think he's a very, very very good player, talented. Awesome.
0: If you
1: weren't a footballer, what would you be?
2: Uh, if I wasn't a footballer, what would I be? I don't know. Uh, I that's, don't know. That's honestly. an answer
1: in itself, to be honest. That's yeah. an answer in itself.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um something in computers honestly I don't know. I took analytics and business finance so something in the business world, I couldn't tell you, but honestly, I've been playing soccer since I was four or five years old, so I don't know, maybe something within football, um, I don't know. Nope. I hope an that it, whatever it would be, it would be, I would take it with like the same principles of just kind mm-hmm. of working hard and, and making it happen and, you know, being willing to take chances and travel different places and, and go wherever, so I'm glad, you know what, I'm glad yeah. I don't have to think about that answer, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. why. <what>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Favorite book?
2: uh not much of a reader, honestly. No. Um. Yeah. Don't read. Favorite podcast?
1: Much. Footwork podcast. You know it.
2: Quick answer. I'm enjoying the uh, the Foscast right now with Ben Foster. Yeah. It's been nice because just obviously the bias of being able to listen to. Sometimes they touch upon like goalkeeper stuff. It's yeah, nice to yeah, listen course. to. Peter Crouch podcast is a, is a good laugh. Oh,
1: it's a it's a laugh. Yeah, it's well. a great one. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then. Every once so in a while, like a good like Joe Rogan podcast is good just to see what's what's stirring about over there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about uh, any quote or mantras that you live by? Any quotes or mantras that I live by?
2: Um, no, just to earn it. One I think is like basically I, I live a lot like that. Just gotta like just earn the little things really. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you want to sleep in, like just make sure you're doing a lot to, like the day before. Make sure that when you wake up. Like, you're not taking a nap later on in the day. Like, you gotta, like, you did you earn that sleep in? Okay, yeah, then fine. But you gotta, gotta do other things on the back end. It mm-hmm. ends up being a bit of balance. But yeah, I think that you can take that, take that to the grave that kind of really have like a successful life doing that. And it's fine in a happy life too, because you can't just go 100% full throttle one way. You're gonna burn yourself out and vice versa. You can't just do nothing. So I think it's a, it's worked for me so far. So I'll keep, I'll take that. And like I mentioned before, like to know your worth. It's not an easy one, but it's important to do.
1: Matt, we want to Matt. thank you so much for coming on. I mean, the path has just been tremendous. And like you said, it's just it's it's great for I think young players to know that the path isn't always straight, but in the end it's gonna yeah. work out and you're gonna get your opportunities and you're gonna grow as a person in it. So we wanna thank you so much for coming on. We can't wait for a part two and we can't wait to follow along with the season in Gibraltar.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a great chat.